Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 42 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Your Pain is Your Platform, an interview with Lindsay Tuttle. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is the inspirational Lindsay Tuttle. Lindsay Tuttle is a 32-year-old woman from Denver, Colorado. She is a family nurse practitioner with holistic experience and a PCCN certification. Prior to exhibiting tick disease symptoms, Lindsay Tuttle was a charge nurse, a competitive runner, and an avid traveler. At the age of 27, her body shut down as a result of an imperfect storm of events that started with a work-related back injury, then her father was sent for end-of-life hospice care, and finally a graduate school-mandated vaccination. These events became a tipping point, and she became very sick with rapidly progressing symptoms. The rapid progression of her symptoms caused Lindsay Tuttle to conclude that her medical problem would not result in a simple solution. She sought treatment from various colleagues, including a rheumatologist, a neurologist, a primary care physician, and two naturopaths. None of her medical colleagues could provide her with a diagnosis, and her primary care physician dismissed Lyme as a potential diagnosis because people don't get Lyme in Florida. Despite her own education and training, Lindsay did not have the ability to diagnose herself with Lyme for almost two years because her nursing and nurse practitioner education did not teach her anything about Lyme disease. She said, quote, it definitely wasn't anything that crossed her mind. Hey, Lindsay Tuttle, and welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. So, Lindsay, can you share with our listeners a little bit about what your life was like before you began to show the symptoms of a tick disease? Yeah, that is a good question. I definitely feel like I was living almost, it seems like the most perfect life because I really felt like I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. I had just started my nursing career and I was working full time. I was traveling whenever I wanted to travel. Um, I was a competitive runner. So I was always doing half marathons, um, long distance running, boxing. Uh, I just felt like I was really in the best shape of my life. And I also felt like I said, I could, I could really do anything I wanted whenever I wanted. So it was, it was a pretty good place. So can you share with us how the tick disease symptoms began to exhibit? Yeah, so interestingly, uh, I really, it, it, I feel like it was kind of sudden and kind of not. So when I was uh, working in the hospital, I wound up having this like back injury. And I think for me, it just kind of maybe brought something out or was like a tipping point for my body with the stress that I was under because for so long, I was just working my body into the ground. And I feel like so many people can relate to this. I was just very type A, working all the time, doing all the, the exercise, not really taking care of my body nutritionally, didn't really know anything about supplements, kind of going through the motions of life. And then I got this back injury that just threw me on the couch for days. Um, it was, it was, I was so sore that I was taking ibuprofen around the clock, didn't realize how uh, devastating that can be to your gut because um, I was taking high dose ibuprofen and not really doing anything uh, to protect my, my, my stomach from it. And um, I remember seeing the chiropractor trying to do other things to help heal, but my body just wasn't recovering. And I remember just having uh, muscle fatigue, muscle weakness. I tried going running and it just wasn't the same. Like I couldn't, um, 
I just wasn't feeling the same. Something felt off. And uh, I remember that that was going on for a few months before um, I wound up starting to have more severe symptoms. Um, that was more connected to when I had to get um, shots for grad school. Lindsay, how old were you when you first got this back injury? I was, I think, actually 26. I was about to turn 27. And uh, it was about like six months later that I started really having problematic symptoms. Can you walk us through the next steps of your symptoms and the progression of your illness? Yeah. So what happened was I was really feeling off, like I, like I mentioned. And I actually had to get, I was just about to start clinicals for grad school. I was in a nurse practitioner program. I remember, you know, like I mentioned, I hadn't been feeling that great. I was dealing with some neck stiffness too. And I was like, what is this about? I just really couldn't exercise the same. I was full-time working. Um, I remember my dad was in hospice. It was just the perfect storm really. And I had to get a flu and Tdap shot for grad school for continuing with clinicals. And I remember that day that I was supposed to get those, my gut told me this is not good timing for me to get shots because I just really was feeling like something was going on with my body. And, and so I just knew this is probably not ideal timing to ask my body to take on more. And I mean, I wasn't more holistic or natural minded really at the time. It was just a gut instinct. Like this is probably not a good time. <laughs> and I um, remember within a couple of days of getting those shots, it was like my body completely shut down. It was the tipping point for me. I had within a couple of days severe um, like IBS symptoms of just um, diarrhea, stomach upset. I had like numbness and tingling throughout my body, severe pain. I wasn't able to sleep at night. It was it just went. It felt like going from like zero to a thousand very quickly. And I think also because of that very quick uh, progression, I was in a state of panic, which definitely didn't help the situation. <laughs> I definitely was um, really just really scared and not knowing what was going on. And uh, I, I knew that all of a sudden I was went from being able to, you know, work on the floor all day long to my I was like, working on the floor as a nurse and my feet were burning, my hands were burning. Um, I was feeling anxious. I was like, for the first time in my life, I was really, really anxious. And that's not my personality. And I was like, what is going on? And I think just because how quickly that happened too, it definitely added more flame to the fire uh, for my body and my sympathetic nervous system. So Lindsay, as a nurse practitioner, what did you think was going on with your body? I definitely felt like something was going on that was not just a, a simple answer. And what I mean by that is my initial response was I saw a neuro neurologist that was a, um, a friend from the hospital. I saw a rheumatologist that was a friend. I saw a couple naturopaths and I remember um, thinking like there is something like this is either related. I, I thought honestly I had a, a vaccine injury response like Gillian Beret. That's a common 
response to, well, I shouldn't say common, but it can be an adverse effect to the flu vaccine where you start experiencing like numbness and tingling, pain that's ascending from the legs. And so I was like, maybe it's that, you know, Lyme disease didn't even come up. And in fact, when I talked to my primary care doctor at the time, she's like, people don't get Lyme in Florida. You know, that's the typical answer. She's like, people don't have, don't get Lyme in Florida. And you know, and she tested it, you know, and it came back negative. Um, I don't think it was even properly, you know, mm-hmm. tested because those, those Quest labs are not really specific for that. So, Lindsay, although you were in Florida at the time, did the doctor ask you where you grew up or spent any time previously to see if you were exposed to a tick bite in a tick endemic area? She did know that I grew up in Connecticut, but she did not really investigate that further. It was very much like, you know, people don't get Lyme here. And I think she was definitely not under the understanding that people could get Lyme, you know, in in years past and just present with it later. So that definitely was not, and that wasn't even on my mind because I can tell you in, in my schooling for being a nurse practitioner, we really don't learn anything about Lyme. So it definitely wasn't anything that crossed my mind. Um, all I knew about Lyme was, oh, you get fatigue, uh, you treat it with antibiotics within a couple, you know, the first couple of weeks after a bite, you get a bullseye rash and you're one and done. I didn't know anything beyond that and we're not taught anything beyond that. Lindsay, were these doctors that you were seeing that your colleagues and friends, the neurologists, rheumatologists, et cetera, did they give you any other diagnosis? No. In fact, when I saw the neurologist, he seemed to think that this was something, how I was feeling, what I described, he, he asked me, is this something that you're studying in school? Like, you know, just very much um, derogatory of, you know, maybe I was making this up or I was just like learning about it and exaggerating my symptoms. And I remember the rheumatologist actually said to me, you know, he printed out a like Wikipedia sheet or something about, uh, oh, you have fibromyalgia. And this is really common women in their late twenties that are like more type A and doing all these things. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. Like there's no way that I can go from running, you know, a half marathon to not barely being able to walk down the street overnight. And you're telling me this is fibromyalgia. Like I knew that that was just not correct. (laughs) There was something else going on. So Lindsay, can you walk us through the progression of your symptoms up until the point of when you had the realization that you have Lyme disease? Yeah, so uh, interestingly, after that doctor told me that I had fibromyalgia, he handed me a prescription for Lyrica. And I remember intuitively, which I really want to highlight because we all have that gift when we're really listening to our gut and really understanding um, I, I really believe we all have that intuition of knowing this doesn't feel right or this doesn't seem like a good thing for my body. And I remember thinking when I was handed that prescription for Lyrica, um, no, I shouldn't be taking this right now. And sure enough, and ironically enough, I was actually pregnant at the time, only maybe a month pregnant, but that I believe is like a category D medication, meaning it would have been not good for the uh, fetus. So very glad that I did not take that and that I never filled that prescription. But interestingly enough, when I got pregnant, probably when I got to about 11, 12 weeks pregnant, all my symptoms went away. Now on a, on an intuitive level, I really felt like something was still there within my body. Cause how can you ignore the fact that 
hey, like just two months ago, I could barely get out of bed and I couldn't sleep, you know, like, I just, I just felt like, hey, something else happened. But interestingly, um, all my symptoms went away during my pregnancy, and I felt incredible. Um, if you really look into that a step further, um, interestingly, a lot of people who've gone through Lyme or autoimmune disease will tell you that they've had the exact same experience where their symptoms go into remission during pregnancy. So anyways, when I was postpartum, um, I guess I was about postpartum six months, uh, I started seeing symptoms start to slowly trickle back in. And um, it would just be like flare ups here and there, pain, I could not go back to running, the muscle pain and fatigue was too severe. I could get back to um, doing just regular like walking, but I knew some things were off. Um, I was dealing with a lot of the burning pain, like um, every once in a while, not, it wasn't a constant thing. Uh, my sleep though, I will say since pregnancy completely improved. And, and to this day, I don't deal with, with sleep issues. So I'm grateful for that, but, um, it, pregnancy can really heal a lot of things. So anyways, with that said, um, I think I was about a year postpartum that I decided to do some further testing. A colleague of mine had recommended the documentary Under Your Skin. And I remember watching that documentary. And even though I couldn't really relate too much to some of the um, different people on the documentary, their, their symptoms, uh, it just seemed a lot like my experience, which was like erratic, no predictability, like no diagnosis, doesn't fit into one thing. And so I was like, I should get this tested. And I have the ability as a practitioner to order that, that testing for myself, um, with the exception of uh, IGENIX I, testing. Some things have to be doctor ordered, but I knew I could get it ordered just to find out. And so that's when I decided to pursue my own testing because I just really at the time wanted an answer. And um, that's when I discovered that I had mine. So Lindsay, can we walk you back a minute to why you believe your symptoms had abated when you became pregnant? Yeah, so interestingly, and I don't know all the factors that go into this, but often um, during pregnancy, your symptoms due to the high levels of hormones and also your body goes into a very protective mode uh, to, to protect your baby. Um, and so a lot of times, all of a sudden, like the immune system just gets gets back together, I guess, <laughs> for the for the baby. And so my symptoms actually had gone completely away. Now that didn't happen with my second pregnancy. And I know well, we'll, we'll talk about that. And I think that was related to some treatments I did right before that. But for a lot of people, their symptoms will go into remission when they're pregnancy. And even a lot of times during breastfeeding, your symptoms can be mitigated due to the higher levels of um, oxytocin uh, that your body's going through um, and, uh, and growth factor, um, which is not typically things that you would be experiencing if you weren't pregnant. So um, that said, a lot of women, and this is common even with those dealing with autoimmune, which is unfortunately so many people, um, I mean, anybody that I know who has dealt with rheumatoid arthritis, uh, multiple sclerosis, um, they all felt great when they were pregnant. And then when they were postpartum, things started slowly trickling back in and oftentimes can be a disastrous flare. You know, you'll go through a really bad first flare because of just, you know, your body shifting with hormones. 
Lindsay, prior to your Igenix test that you ran through the private lab out of California, did you have any other tick-borne disease testing through Quest or LabCorp or your local lab? Yeah, I did do some lab work through Quest originally when I was dealing with symptoms, and um, it, it, it showed up negative, which I came to find out later why, because that's not a specific lab for really anything bacterial or, or bacteria or virus related. Um, and unfortunately, I think that is why so many people go uh, misdiagnosed or undiagnosed because they're not getting uh, the proper labs or they can't afford the proper labs. So now, once you get your hygienics test back, what do you do? Well, interestingly, I remember now you asking this. Um, I found out that my lab work came positive the day I passed my nurse practitioner exams. I remember like I, I got um, my, I, walk out, I walked out of the testing center, I said that I had passed, and literally I had a voicemail from one of my colleagues saying, I just want to let you know that this came back positive. And so it was just, I had so many mixed emotions. Um, I don't think I really knew what to expect because I didn't really know too much about Lyme, to be honest. And I didn't know all that was involved. And at the time, even on like social media, it was fairly like a new thing being discussed. So I really just didn't know much about it. At that point in time, just because of what had happened to me along my, my journey. So for that like past year, year and a half, I really had poured myself into natural and holistic um, training and uh, alternative treatments. Uh, that's what I decided to pursue as a nurse practitioner. So when I had found out that the line came back positive, that was my initial thought was, okay, where do I need to start in order to help reverse this or, or find immune system healing? Um, and that's kind of what led me to decide on treatments from there. So what treatments did you start right after your positive test? Yeah, so I talked to, I had an integrative practitioner at the time, and she really wasn't too familiar with Lyme. However, she was um, well-versed enough to recommend, let's do some nutrient testing, let's do some gut testing. So that was kind of my first start. And I started learning more about um, herbs, um, hyperbaric treatment. And so that actually was what I pursued first. Um, I actually started learning too about, uh, I, I had found um, Steve Buner, his book um, on healing Lyme and, and tick-borne illness. And so I actually started looking at that as well. I think the hardest thing was kind of knowing where to start. And also, I didn't know at that time how sensitive the body is to treatments. You know, everybody responds so incredibly different. I didn't know at the time about herxing, but I quickly learned <laughs> about how the body responds to different treatment and how it can be just not so fun to treat. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I started. Lizzie, did you consider antibiotics? No, I did not want to do antibiotics for a few reasons. I think one, I just clearly had such a traumatic experience with the last time I was exposed to a medication or a medical substance, which was the um, vaccinations that previous year or two before. And then um, also in my studying and my research, I really came to understand how imperative 
the gut is for overall body healing, for the brain, for hormones, for immune system. And when I started understanding the role that antibiotics play on the body, as well as our own individual uh, genetic makeup, and just, um, I actually at the time had done a 23andMe, so that was something that my um, integrative practitioner had recommended, which was that genetic, you know, finding out the genetics and how my body responds to different things. And man, when we printed out the list of how my body responded to certain medications, I just wish that we could get something like that for every single person because it was very clear. I mean, I'm very sensitive to certain medications or I don't even respond like well to certain medications. And this is somebody I grew up, um, you know, on antibiotics my whole childhood for ear infections, you know, all kinds of things. I was on a ton of medication as a teenager because I had gone through an eating disorder. And so I was on a ton of um, anti or anxiety meds, depression meds. And so I just have come to learn <laughs> the role that they, that, that um, antibiotics especially have on the whole body and the immune system. And I really wanted to avoid them or keep it extremely minimal if I could and find people who agreed with me, like, or, or were more on that um, mindset. Lindsay, can you share with us a little bit more about the 23andMe genetic profile that you conducted? Yeah, that was very helpful. I, I can't necessarily, I would recommend that particular company at this point, because I know some things have changed, but when I had gotten it four or five years ago, I was able to really find out how to best support my methylation and detoxification. So I think it's an extremely valuable tool. It also was able to show me where I need certain areas of extra supplementation really for the rest of my life due on my own genetic due to my own genetic makeup. And that's actually been very helpful for my kids because I know based on my genetics how I really need to be supporting my kids. It made more sense to me doing that genetic print of just, oh, this is why I probably had the reaction I did to that vaccine because I have the MTHFR variant, um, several other variants that impact um, heavy metal detox detoxification. And, um, you know, when we're constantly exposed to heavy metal via water, things we use on our body, you know, injections, medications, all kinds of things, you know, you can see how, wow, there was this toxic accumulation. And at some point, my body had a tipping point where it couldn't handle it anymore. And so it's been a really valuable resource for me to have just to guide um, supplementation decisions, as well as, uh, like I said, decisions I make for my kids and what I know that they need. So Lindsay, you, you said at the beginning of your answer that you wouldn't necessarily recommend 23andMe. Is there another company that you think our listeners should consider using if they decided that they wanted to use this as a tool for their healing journey? Yeah, I think another good one is Ancestry.com. I just know that um, 23andMe got bought out a couple of years ago, and I think that they're able to resell the information or give the information to pharmaceutical companies. And I just, I don't know the, any um, impact that may have. I just remember there was a lot of discussion about that not being a good thing. <laughs> so um, I think a lot of people have kind of more steered towards the ancestry printout. Lindsay, what other therapies did you do to treat the Lyme disease and your symptoms? 
Yeah, so interestingly, you know, when I started trading, I really didn't understand that it might, that to really go slow, <laughs> it's not my personality anyways, but anyways, I was, I really just wanted to take care of the problem and I just wanted to get in my mindset at that point in time was I wanted to be 100% as quickly as possible. I just wanted to get back to my previous life and everything that I could do. I want to get back to, you know, running doing all the things. And um, so I really started aggressively treating and more so myself, because to be honest, I couldn't find anybody really in Florida that I felt really understood what, what treatment I needed to be doing. Um, and I, I know several other people have, have run into that problem. It's like you become your, you become the expert in what you're going through. And also, you know, from different things that you've tried or studied, what effective and what's not for your body. And so I just really was kind of trying to figure it out myself. And I remember just really, really getting so sick from the treatments I was doing. And at that time, too, I believe I was exposed to mold. I was um, working in, I had my own practice, um, integrative practice, and I was um, doing pretty well with it. But I knew that I was being exposed to mold. Like I just was always having sinus issues when I was in this particular office building. And it just seemed to very quickly again progress where I started dealing with very severe symptoms of pain, which was always the, the worst symptom for me. And from there, I was so, so sick for months. I could barely get out of bed. And it was at that time that um, unfortunately I had to release the practice, but that was definitely meant to be. But beyond that, I uh, found some treatments in Florida where I could start doing some IVs and supplementation that uh, was going to work towards rebuilding the immune system. At that time, I had found a book, and I highly recommend this book. It really changed my life. Um, it was called How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can by Amy Schur. I'm a big fan of her. She um, used to have Lyme. She had done stem cells 20 years ago. And uh, that really kind of showed me and guided me that I had ownership of how I wanted to, of how I wanted this disease to go for me. Like, was I going to, what was I going to choose? How was I going to change the, um, the inner conversation within myself? Uh, so that was a really powerful tool for me. And it was at the time that I uh, had started a treatment in Florida that was the, the IVs. Um, it was a customized treatment. They really didn't go into details about what the IVs were and this and that, which I, I don't necessarily think was the best thing for me at the time, but it did help me get a bit better. It did help me get from being like almost bed bound to a, a bit better, some, some steps better. And then it was from there that I actually decided to pursue a stem cell treatment, a stromal vascular fraction, SBF stem cell treatment in LA, um, I guess it would be two years ago uh, at a, I, am I able to say what clinic it was? Yes. <laughs> it was It was at the Infusio Clinic in LA, which no longer is in LA. They just have their center is in um, Germany. But I pursued the stem cell treatment, um, yeah, about two years ago. And can you talk more about the stem cells, what the process was like, and how you felt after? So, very interestingly with the stem cells, 
it's such an individualized response. And when I actually started doing it, they made it very clear that this is not, that we can't assure you how this is going to go. It's still being studied. It's still somewhat experimental. Um, with the treatment center, you were there for two weeks initially. And what I actually loved about the, the stem cell treatment was it was all about using your own body to heal. And I really felt like that was going to be a powerful part of my own healing was just like allowing, giving my body permission to heal itself. And so with the, um, with the stem cells, you were there two weeks, they do a bunch of IVs that are helping to suppress, um, uh, to help open up the detox pathway so that you don't really hurt as much from the treatment. Um, it's supposed to suppress a lot of the other uh, bacteria or infections going on because I knew for myself, Bartonella was a huge issue for me. And so that like helped with that. And I tell you, I remember when I got to that, um, got to LA initially, I couldn't walk upstairs. And I remember leaving being able, and I took a wheelchair in the airport. And I remember leaving two weeks later, able to walk through an airport. So that was life changing for me, because I couldn't really do any activity tolerance up until that point. So definitely the stem cells really resonated well with me. I can't say that it does that with every person because I have seen that it doesn't necessarily do that with each person. It really depends, especially if you deal with um, any mast cell or histamine issues. It seems like um, there can be more of a problematic journey with it from what I've experienced and witnessed with different people because um, what happens with the stem cells is they tell you, hey, this is going to be like a one to two year journey of ups and downs because you're rebuilding your nervous system, you're rebuilding your immune system, and the nervous system actually uses histamine to help rebuild nerves. So if you're already dealing with histamine issues and mast cell issues, like um, it could induce a lot of issues uh, if you have not really worked to resolve that or treat that. You're on a lot of supplementation throughout the journey for being able to suppress, the, um, support the histamine pathways and also to um, help protect the, the stomach because histamine can be really harsh on the gut lining. Um, so yeah, it's a very up and down journey. I was fortunate that really I responded really well to it. Um, I, I felt better and better and better within the first um six or seven months post stem cells. And it was at that time that uh, I think I was six or seven months out that I actually was became pregnant again. And um, which fortunately, they had said to me like, hey, this shouldn't affect, you know, baby should be fine, you're past the point of where the immune system is really like modulating. But at, at this point in time, we, we think that you're going to continue to go through nerve repair when you're pregnant and that you will still see it, the symptoms of, of stem cell repair because, um, and, and how I mentioned before, how pregnancy, you can often go into a remission. They, were, they basically told me, you will likely not experience that and will continue to deal with symptoms as your nerves repair. So my pregnancy for my second child was actually really, really difficult. <laughs> uh, I dealt with a lot of retracing of symptoms. And I, I don't know even now how much and I have no way of knowing because stem cells is, you know, like I mentioned, experimental. I have no way of knowing really what was going on in my body as far as the repair, how much hormones were influencing that. Did that help? I'd like to think that it did based on how I feel now and how I started feeling as I got 
closer to the end of my pregnancy. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, it, it's, it's definitely a treatment that involves a lot of still extra supporting factors. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to get stem cells and, you know, two years from now, I'll be great. You know, I still had to pour into and things that I found extremely helpful for support and that I still do is lymphatic massage, craniosacral therapy. Um, I'm still working on resolving some symptoms, uh, but I feel like it got me from feeling like 15, if I have to give a percentage, like 15 to 20% daily to like feeling between 60 to 70% each day. So definitely I, I feel very grateful it got me where I did, where I am now. So Lindsay, you also noted in your questionnaire for this podcast that you use essential oils as a way to treat your Lyme disease and symptoms. Can you talk more about the use of essential oils, how you use them and how they helped you? Yes, absolutely. I'm a big fan of essential oils. We specifically use Young Living um, the brand just for its purity and quality. And I was actually introduced to that when I was pregnant with my firstborn. Um, and it was at that time that because of everything I had went through, I was like, I need to make sure that I am supporting my pregnancy as naturally as possible because something is going on with my body. I don't know what. And I had learned up until that point, um, I started to learn that summer that I got really sick, how much food and the things that you put on your skin affect your overall health. And I never had learned that before. Um, you know, when you start nursing, you take a very basic level nutrition course that's about the American, like the standard American diet. So it's not like you're learning really how nutrition affects your body. So I really started pouring into that during my clinicals with um, nurse, being a nurse practitioner. And I started learning about um, just the power of plants and just how that can affect the immune system. How can you, you can use that as a natural alternative as opposed to an over-the-counter um, substance or something that isn't necessarily going to support healing. It might be a quick fix. It might be that Band-Aid, but it's not working on the cell to like help change the body. So I was introduced to the essential oils and things that could provide natural immune support. And so I fell in love with that. I fell in love with being able to have that as a at home wellness arsenal, because I think um, for me, I just really wanted to feel empowered, not only for myself, but as a parent that I would have tools to use for my kids as opposed to medications if I could. So that said, um, I started learning about the benefits. Uh, it's really essential oils. They are pretty much like the lifeblood of a plant. They contain constituents that help support um, uh, the blood, supporting uh, cleaning the blood, um, reducing inflammation, um, supporting um, just every single cell of the body because they're able to cross the blood-brain barrier. So it can really provide a lot of healing for the brain and the limbic system. Um, you know, when you inhale in essential oils, 100% like pure essential oils, you're able to uh, start getting benefits within seconds because they're able to get right to the brain, right in the bloodstream. Um, so it's, if you can experience really powerful effects, um, again, it's one of those things that requires consistency and um, continuous, like, you know, use throughout the day. It can't be, um, I think that's where we're so used to, especially as Americans, like, oh, you know, I, I just can use this when I get sick. 
No, you want to be continuously using them to support your body because that's how you're kind of retraining the cells. So for me, it's been, I know my biggest symptom, like I mentioned, was pain. Um, and I found for me, frankincense, um, copaiba essential oils, that was such a game changer for neuropathy with me. I mean, I would feel like my skin was burning or on fire and I would use those two oils for, for burning for my joints. I would use um, wintergreen um, and that would help me so incredibly much because I was also looking to avoid being on pain medication um, and I was able to do that I have been able to do that my whole journey. Um, and I really credit the essential oils for that 120%. Lindsay, there are people out there that, that sort of have a negative view of essential oils in the healing process. Do you think that's just due to the lack of knowledge about how they can be used to help you in your recovery? Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, unfortunately, too, we're all exposed to so much greenwashing when it comes to like, hey, use this product for your family. And there's the flashy label. And, you know, it says that it's natural. And I just come to learn that means absolutely nothing. You know, who who owns this company? You know, like I just learned like I have to be my own best advocate when it comes to reading labels and understanding where things are sourced. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong with essential oils and a lot of treatments in general is that they think, oh, this is like natural, this is pure. But because of, you know, FDA, how things um, are approved in this country, um, you know, you can say that an essential oil is 100% pure essential oil, and it's only technically 5% essential oil. So, you know, same goes for the makeup industry. You can call makeup organic, and it only has to be a very small percentage organic. But how many people know that, right? You know, they're just grabbing things off the shelf saying, oh, you know, this is something that I heard about, but you don't know how it's sourced. You don't know how it's made. And that is really like the critical component, because if you're really trying to get the very best benefits and no like fillers or additional synthetic um you know, fragrances or anything like that, you really need to know what's best. And so I think that's where a lot of people get steered wrong is they have a bad experience, but they weren't necessarily using a pure product, right? So Lindsay, if our listeners want to learn more about essential oils and how it can help them potentially with pain or things like that and potentially using frankincense, you mentioned Young Living was the company you use. Yeah, and actually, I definitely, um, I'd love to be a resource for people. I have a ton of education. I've um, written and collaborated with um, different practitioners with ebooks um, that really help guide people. Um, I'm actually writing one right now that's, I'm, I'm writing a book that is um, the oily wellness companion for those that deal with um, invisible illness and autoimmune. I don't know if that's going to be the exact title, but I'm writing it. Because I, I really believe that it really comes down to quality and how things are farmed, sourced, distilled. Um, and so, yeah, in, in, in my opinion, from what I have seen and I've visited the specific farms where these plants are, are grown and um, distilled to oil, uh, I have experienced Young Living being the best for that and the most transparent um, and so I, I am a big believer in that. So I definitely love pointing people to the right directions when it comes to resources. Um, you can definitely check out the website. Unfortunately, we have, things have to be kept so generic because you can't make any claims <laughs> really because of just how the, um, 
the FDA is, but um, but you can dig a bit deeper than that. So that's where I think if you want to, you know, reach out for support, I can definitely make that available. So we also see that you did some, some other things as well to help treat the Lyme disease and also retrain your body, one of them being the DNRS. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so I'm actually currently still doing DNRS. I started it a couple of months ago. Um, I can't say that I'm the most compliant with it because, you know, they even tell you with the DNRS, they say, don't do this when you're in the middle of moving or you have like big changes in your life. And I'm just going to be realistic. Like that is the current season I'm in is just, there's been a lot of changes. I just had a baby six months ago. We just moved from Florida to Denver three months ago. Um, and so my DNRS has been a little bit choppy, but I'm a big believer in it and what I've done with it so far. And, and I think this is where too, I, I want to mention to people, just give yourself grace with this process because for me, you know, they recommend doing uh, with DNRS, it's dynamic, um, neural retraining system created by, I think, Annie Hopper, um, they recommend doing this training uh, 60 minutes a day, every single day, minimum six months. And that's how you get the maximum amount of benefits. Uh, for myself, like I'm in a season where I'm really happy if I can get 20 minutes done a day. And I, I feel perfectly okay with that because I know that it's not doing my body any harm to get into a system of reprogramming the brain, calming down the sympathetic nervous system. And I'm just meeting myself where I'm at right now. And my goal is to increase that t duration of time um, as like things start to kind of calm down in our family schedule over the next couple months. But I'm a big believer in it for the reason that she talks about neural um, uh, plasticity. And I think a lot of people don't realize that we really have the power to um, change what's going on in the brain to, to when you listen to any sort of, uh, I know, uh, Deepak Chopra, I think is how you pronounce it, <laughs> but him and then uh, Joe Dispenza, as far as like meditations and the effect that has on the body. Um, I love recommending the documentary on Netflix called Heal that talks about this as well. Like we have so much power when it comes to our thoughts. And that's why I think I mentioned that book, How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can, years ago changed my life because I realized, wow, I have so much power over my own healing on a subconscious level. And um, I also really recommend Louise Hay and her books for this too. She talks about, um, she healed herself from cancer and she talks a lot about the power of the mind and the role that that plays. And that's why I think really DNRS is so powerful is because you can really change and rewire your brain. Uh, it, it, it requires consistency and practice. So Lindsay, we see that you're back to about 60 to 70% of your health pre-sickness. And one of the things you noted in your pre-interview questionnaire is that you're considering the LimeStop treatment. Can you talk more about LimeStop, what it is and why you're considering it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's so hard sometimes to know where you're at. For me, I feel like I'm doing really well. I also know that I'm in a season where I'm postpartum and I'm currently breastfeeding and I don't know how much that is influencing where I'm at. So on a realistic level, I've just been really working with um, a, a naturopath. A, a big reason that we moved from uh, Florida to Denver was to get out of the mold environment in Florida, which there can still be mold in Denver, but it's, it's just a much different climate and uh, just a much more, 
I feel like it's so easy to find the natural support that you need here. So I've been working with a new naturopath because I really wanted the guidance uh, from someone to be able to tell me where to start first with what I still experience uh, symptom-wise. And then also I had considered uh, line stop for later in the year because I wanted to be able to, again, have the experience of seeing where I'm at, what could further help me get to where I need to be um, to just be the best for myself and my family. And line stop and, and specifically, again, is a natural treatment that really boosts the immune system. From my understanding, they use magnets uh, on the body as well as a lot of herbs and supplements to help strengthen the immune system, help strengthen the organs, to help be able to, I mean, when you think about the disease process, it does such a number on your liver, your spleen, so many parts of your body. So you really need to strengthen your organs to be able to handle an infection. And so uh, I was really a big believer based on a lot of people that I've talked to and, and friends and just kind of understanding how those the, the magnets and, and how that can change the, the cellular frequency of the body. I was really interested in using that as another way to get even further with healing. Lizzie, one of the other things you noted in your questionnaire is that you use CBD oil to help with your symptoms. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like, I mean, and I've used cannabis before too, which I believe was, was helpful. Um, I think I think CBD is a super powerful thing that I feel like fortunately we're getting to the point in this country that it's becoming more normal to talk about because the reality is the cannabis and, and, and CBD oil just have powerful effects on the body. I mean, when you learn about how the human body has its own endocannabinoid system and how a lot of times it's just been altered because of all the toxins we're exposed to, the EMFs that we're exposed to, you know, this, this thing that we already have, the body already knows we need is altered and, um, and affected. And so uh, I really believe that using CBD can be so powerful for supporting the neurological system and just like supporting lowering inflammation in the body in general, which I think is just a main thing that pretty much everybody has to a certain extent, whether you're having symptoms from it or not, I don't know. But I think everybody benefits from taking it as a daily supplement. So I actually just really started taking it, I guess maybe I was like six months post stem cells. And that's when I started going through nerve repair. And that was a really painful process for me. And I found that the CBD uh, definitely helped relieve um, some of the pain that I was dealing with and just kind of helped calm me down to, to go to sleep. And so I'm a big believer in it. I think, again, you have to really make sure that you're dealing with a pure source. And um, I think that's where people sometimes are like, oh, I'm not seeing any benefits. And, and there's a big difference with how CBD is sourced and also you know, between the isolate, the broad spectrum, essential oil enhance. I mean, so it, I think people, again, have to kind of do their own research. And um, I'll have to, I do have like an ebook that I'm working on with a few people on that topic as well. So I'll have that available soon just to kind of dig a, a bit deeper into why and how it works. 
So Lindsay, is there a specific type of CBD oil and a brand you'd recommend to our listeners that are suffering from pain and other symptoms associated with Lyme disease? Yeah, so when I had originally started using it, like I mentioned, I guess almost a year and a half ago, I was using broad spectrum, which still has trace amounts of of, uh, THC, but not to a level where you would show up positive on drug testing unless you were taking, honestly, copious amounts. Uh, At the time, I was using, I think it's a brand by, it was like Rose Herbal, or it was Rosebud, that's what it was called, it was Rosebud, and it was from Oregon, and I actually found like that, I, I did like that brand. I actually just switched about six months ago to a different brand called Nature's Ultra, which is uh, essential oil enhanced CBD. It actually uses the Young Living essential oils with it. And a big reason why I switched was um, just with uh, having my my second son and with breastfeeding, I really wanted to, personally, I was more interested in going a route where I completely avoided THC. Um, I, I don't think that trace amounts have any effect, negative effect on the human body or, or baby's body personally. Uh, that's just been my own research. I, I really don't think there's a negative effect per se, but I just felt more comfortable using um, the essential oil enhanced where it's like it's a CBD isolate and then they add the essential oils kind of like rounded out so you're getting the enhanced benefits because they've actually proven through research that essential oils, certain essential oils actually enhance the benefits of CBD oil. And so I was more interested in using that postpartum with breastfeeding as a continuous supplement. Um, so that's what I'm using now. Lindsay, one of the things we've learned from our past podcast guests is that Lyme disease is really a family disease. Can you share with our listeners how your Lyme disease journey has affected your family? Yeah, and it really is, is so interesting how it looks so different for, for each person, each family. And I actually, my family doesn't exhibit any symptoms that I would say per se are necessarily Lyme. I think also, what's really tricky about Lyme is, in some ways, it's kind of like a bucket diagnosis, right? Because there's so many different layers to it that you sometimes wonder, you know, when I, when I see somebody and they're describing me all their symptoms, you know, maybe the child has autism or ADHD or somebody's talking to me about joint pain. I can't help but think in the back of my mind, I wonder if they have Lyme, you know, <laughs> just like you initially go into it because of just knowing how for so many people they're exposed, but it doesn't necessarily become a problem unless something tips them over the edge. It's just like, you know, everybody has cancer cells, but not everybody has cancer. So at some point your genetics come into play, your own immune system comes into play. Um, I think that most people have been exposed to Lyme, but if we can keep the immune system in check and depending on genetics as well, it might not be an issue, an active issue for people. For my own family, like nobody in my family, uh, I have my spouse and then um, two sons and nobody exhibits any symptoms. I like to believe really with my, my boys that a big reason why that is is because I did do everything imaginable to protect their immune system within pregnancy and postpartum. Both of, both of my kids have never needed to be on medications. Both of them have never gone, had a sick visit um, to the doctor. None of them have um, really dealt with 
with anything out of the norm. Uh, and I really believe that is because, you know, our, our kids now, I mean, it's really from the time that they're born that we just like throw things at them when it comes to medications and treatments and, and antibiotics and all these things. But we know that the immune system isn't fully formed until a child is almost 18 to 18 months to two years of age. So putting that in perspective, you know, people really need to think, do we need to be slamming all these things on kids prior to that point? And how does the body handle it? Especially because we now know that when a baby is born, they've already been exposed to like, I think the estimation is, is hundreds of chemicals within the, the mom's own body. Um, you know, 90% of females, if you were to test like their urine, have plastic in their urine. So babies are exposed to all this. We have to kind of keep in mind how can we protect their immune system after they're born? So I was really looking to do everything natural to support their immune system that I use certain supplements. Um, I use the essential oils. I also, I will say with my um, firstborn who's four, four years now, we've made it a point to avoid certain foods that we know are inflammatory since he could eat. Uh, and I don't, regret that at all. I think it's been extremely helpful. I think we know enough, like I will say personally, we just, we avoid gluten and dairy for him. I try to avoid um, anything that is GMO, anything that is just like fake sugars. Does he, does that mean he has it every once in a while? Yes. Um, but 99% of the time he isn't. And I believe like I have the ability to really direct his immune system for the rest of his life because of what we did those first two years and what I did to help protect his gut, which we know is where most of the immune system is. So I think that's really critical and that parents have a really huge opportunity to protect their families with that. I, I will mention that is one of the things that um, Lime Stop does as far as when you go to uh, receive any treatments there they actually do test the whole family so they're able to see what's needed what's not so um, in my mind I, I really wanted to have my husband uh, tested and seen for that because of just knowing that you know I possibly could be getting re-exposed from him possibly maybe he's a carrier of having the line and just because we know that it can be tr transmitted sexually I mean perhaps you know he needs to be treated so I did want to look into that with Limestock. Lindsay, can you share how your Lyme journey has been transformative in your life? Yeah, it's actually, uh, I feel like the biggest blessing in disguise. And I know for most people, it doesn't seem that way at all. But I will say that for me, I feel like it completely rerouted me to what I was meant to do because like I mentioned, when before I got sick, I really felt like I had it all. I could do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And I really don't feel like I had gone through anything particularly hard or challenging. <laughs> um, and I just feel like, for me, it just really pointed out just where, like I said, where I was meant to go. Like, if I had not gotten sick, I know that I would have gone the standard traditional nurse practitioner route, which nothing is wrong with that. However, I really deep down always felt like I was supposed to be doing something different. I mean, that's why I became a nurse in general was because I wanted to be able to help people. And so now I help people 
but in a much different way. And, and I love being able to use the pain that I've gone through as a platform because I think so many people feel like they're in the trenches of Lyme or they feel like it's their identity. You kind of lose sense of self. Like I remember just recently I finished, like I was on this trip and we finished a, a five, which was monumental for me I haven't been able to do that in four or five years and I I walked the 5k which I was so proud of but beyond that I was thinking to myself like gosh nobody would know here that I used to run competitively like I used to be able to finish a 5k in 20 minutes like no problem at all and nobody knows that about me I know that about me but in, in so many ways you lose your sense of self but in, in some incredible ways, you get to start a new journey with yourself, which for me, I really feel like, and I always feel like I'm getting emotional with this part, was really I had to find love for myself. And I feel like, you know, up until that point, I didn't love myself. I didn't, I was still so critical of my body and the things that I could do. And I took, I took it for granted. I took took all these things for granted. Now when I'm out driving and I'm stuck at a stoplight, I don't take it for granted because I remember when I couldn't drive. When I'm in the line at a grocery store, I, I make intentional um, connection with the, the cashier. And I try, to, I try to just be so intentional with people because I, for so long, I like, couldn't do so many things that I appreciate life so much more now and each day and what I can do. Um, and I also respect that I, because of what I've been through, I have that much more reason to, to like leave a legacy and make an impact because we all know so many people are suffering. So I feel like I have a responsibility to use my journey to help others, even if it looks really messy along the way, because that is, that is what everybody's dealing with. Everybody has a mess. So, you know, I feel like we have to use that to connect with one another and just like rise, rise above it. That, I feel like it's taught me so much. Um, I definitely was a much different person before Lyme. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Lindsay Tuttle. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Lindsay Tuttle and her tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram at lindsaytuttlestory and lindsay.arpn.essentials or her website at www.healthandhopetribe.com or via email at lindsaytuttle at hotmail.com. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Thick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, Thick Bootcamp has created a Tick Bite blueprint that was inspired by the information that has been provided by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any improvement suggestions you would like to offer. Fourth, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates for our Tech Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank our listeners for their comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review of this podcast episode on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of our reviews. Thank you for listening.